Welcome to Talk Dizzy to Me, the show that brings you a comprehensive look into the complex field of dizziness. Now here are your hosts, vestibular physical therapist, Dr. Abby Ross and Dr. Danielle Tate. Welcome back to another episode of Talk Dizzy to Me. I'm Dr. Danielle Tate, a vestibular physical therapist, and I'm joined as always by Dr. Abby Ross, a vestibular physical therapist and neuroclinical specialist. And today we're covering a interesting topic. This is the psychological effects of dizziness. Now, Abby, in your last clinic in New York, you worked in tandem with an entire psych uh, office in helping patients with dizziness. So I'm really excited to see um, kind of and hear about your experiences in, in working with patients who had those services available to them. So where do you think is a good place to start? Well, I think first, let's talk about the prevalence of dizziness, right? So over 69 million Americans have dizziness, and it's an invisible illness. So this is not something that your neighbor or your teacher or your employer can physically see on you. You don't have a broken arm that they can see with a cast or sling. You don't have a runny nose that they can see to identify your ill. Um, So the fact that this is an invisible illness, I think, lends itself to having a pretty significant psychological impact for many, many patients. And today, I'd like to talk a little bit about the role of identifying both the physical symptoms and the psychological symptoms, as well as talk about, break down, actually, the psychological symptoms a little bit, whether it's a cognitive Uh, impact or an emotional impact or a social impact. There are different layers to the psychological impacts of vestibular disorders. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, dizziness, like you were saying, is an invisible illness, which can be just so isolating. If people don't understand what you're going through, then you really can't connect with them. They might look at their spouse and say, you look fine, like you're, you're just faking it, or you're just trying to get attention. Whereas these people are experiencing something that truly you can't comprehend until you've experienced it yourself. Um, so that can become just very depressing. It changes your quality of life. I mean, it really turns your entire world upside down. It does. And I think this is why we see such a strong connection between vestibular patients on the social media platforms uh, like Facebook groups and even on Instagram. People really relate to each other because they finally find someone else who understands what they're feeling. They understand that sleeping is an issue or going to work is an issue or fulfilling household duties is an issue. So I guess that's a little bit of a silver lining in the whole vestibular world is that when you find other people like you, man, we've seen so many relationships develop, friendships um, develop over the course of connecting through vestibular networks. Yeah, absolutely. Even um, there was a patient-centered conference that was held out at the University of Minnesota uh, about two years ago. And it was really cool to kind of sit and listen to some of this, um, the speakers connect with loved ones and family members. And those loved ones and family members actually had a moment where they could um, stand up and kind of talk about their experience of living with a loved one that was suffering from vestibular dysfunction. And time and time again, you heard, I had no idea what she was going through until I started hearing from all of you today. And I had no idea that it was going to be that difficult to do this, that, or the other thing until, you know, I got to read resources on Vita's website. Um, So it was, it was really interesting that, you know, it was, it's um, something that people were willing to learn about, but it's very hard to convey that message to loved ones. Right. 
Right. And, you know, just to show you kind of the relationship between psychological symptoms or aspects and vestibular symptoms or dysfunction or disorders, um, there was a study, I can't remember what year it was published, but it basically was showing the association between vestibular-based vertigo and psychiatric comorbidities like depression or generalized um, anxiety disorder or panic disorder. And in every cognitive or psychiatric comorbidity listed, if vestibular dysfunction was added, it increased the odds to develop that psychiatric comorbidity, sometimes up to eight times. So the study found really anywhere between three times and eight times, depending on what specific uh, psychiatric comorbidity was listed. But I mean, that just shows you right there. When you have a vestibular disorder versus non-vestibular disorder, the, the likelihood that you will develop or enhance a psychiatric comorbidity is, you know, definitely strong there. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, just think about how your life is going to change if all of a sudden you can't go out to drink with friends, right? You can't go out to dinner because maybe the restaurant's too busy or too noisy. You know, not only are you more symptomatic, you're not leaving your home, but now you're not getting your social aspect of connecting with people. So it, it makes, you know, complete sense. And it makes sense to us because we get to talk to these patients all day, every day. And, you know, one thing that really brings them some comfort is hearing from a therapist who understands what they're going through. Um, so that's usually, we, we've said it before, during our eval, sometimes just spending the time to listen to the patient is a huge weight off their shoulders because finally someone has listened to them. Finally, somebody is understanding what they're going through. Um, but it makes a lot of sense that you can increase these other um, these other psychological disorders that with just adding this diagnosis of dizziness because it is just a huge stressor in your life that doesn't seem to go away. Exactly. And the other thing I want to note here before we get into the specific impacts is that we always tell our patients and clients that dizziness and anxiety or some sort of stress response really go hand in hand. And in fact, if you don't feel some sort of psychological response or impact, then then I'm a little bit concerned because you should be alarmed if your whole world is spinning or if you're suddenly losing your balance more or if the world is rocking or the floor seems to move up and down. That should really alert some bells in your head that something's going on. So if you don't experience any sort of psychological impact, I start to wonder a little bit. And also, you know, some some patients are resistant to the fact that they they might have a little bit of increased anxiety and they'll say, no, I'm not an anxious person. I'm not an anxious person. But really, in some cases, you might not feel feel the anxiety as you typically would think of it, but it can manifest in other ways, such as increased dizziness. You can increase your dizziness by feeling anxious, even though you don't feel anxious. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. You might not think of anxious being a panic attack mode where there are some patients that feel that way. I actually um, was working with a woman today, not my patient. I just had to see her because of scheduling and she refused to lie flat because 12 years ago she had vertigo once during a yoga class. And guess what? She hasn't lied flat since oh. she has a hospital bed at home. She props her head up, refuses to lie flat. Like that's how intense some of that, that anxiety is. But she thinks she's, no, 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 I'm, I'm good. I'm not worried about it because I just never do it. 
Right. So it's, it's just, it doesn't have to manifest as a panic attack as that stereotypical, I can't breathe. I'm short of breath. It could be, I feel dizzy. I feel tired. I feel brain fog. Um, that kind of comes on and manifests in a different way that might not be as clear. Yeah. And that's a great segue into some of these psychological impacts broken down a little bit more. Let's start with physical issues. So like we said, it may manifest in other ways. It might not just be that regular anxiety that you think of when you're stressed out, but physical issues, like Danny said, you might feel more exhausted, just plain old fatigue. You can't figure it out. Maybe you're still getting enough sleep at night, but you're not able to get through the whole day without taking a a rest break or several rest breaks. Um, another physical issue, you might be hyper vigilant to how you mm. feel internally. Mm-hmm. So you might be constantly checking in with yourself. How do I feel now? How do I feel now? Did this make me dizzy? Am I dizzy right now? Am I not dizzy right now? Oh, did I just bend down and now I sit back up? Am I, am I okay? You might constantly be checking in with yourself. And sometimes it's good to check in with yourself. We might ask you to sometimes check in with yourself, but for the most part, when it becomes hypervigilant, it actually will increase your symptoms. Yeah, you have these almost like these ruminating thoughts that I've had some patients that that will say, well, you know, I did this the other day and I got dizzy, but I'm not sure if I was like that before or if I'm just paying more attention to my body now because I know that there's something going on. Um, You know, so you've got this, it's exhausting to worry that much about every little thing and then imagine trying to plan out your day around this. Right. So waking up in the morning, not knowing if it's going to be a good day or a bad day as far as dizziness is concerned. Will you be able to get through that meeting? Will you be able to sit on the computer and do the, the taxes work that you need to do? You know, it, that can be just just exhausting to have your mind going all the time, all the time. Exactly. Exactly. And what about planning things with other people? Then you not only have to worry about yourself, but now you're anxious about letting other people down. So it's a, a snowball effect. Right. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) Another impact could be increased stress to physical or increased sensitivity, I should say, to physical stressors, physical stressors like weather changes or changes in your diet or hormonal fluctuations or um, changes in the lighting. So you go from a dimly lit room to fluorescent lights at Target. Those types of outside factors can also be impacting on your symptoms. It's kind of like magnifying. Um, I like to explain that it kind of can turn into a snowball effect. You know, you might have had a vestibular issue to begin with that caused the dizziness. But now as your anxiety and stress increases because you're thinking, oh, my gosh, am I going to be like this the rest of my life? Am I never going to get better? Is this ever going to go away? That increased stress and anxiety just builds and it actually compounds and amplifies what you're already experiencing and feeling. So you kind of end up with this snowball effect of this never ending loop and vicious cycle. So that could be hard to break. Oh, yes. And that's why it's so, 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 so important. If we can identify that you are experiencing some of the psychological impacts, we want to address both the psychological and the physical impacts like your dizziness or imbalance or vertigo simultaneously right from the get go. Yeah. And, and keep in mind that when we keep saying psychological impacts, we are not suggesting that there this is all in your head or some psychological disorder. You know, this is just actual physical things that your body goes through because of this extra stress of the vestibular system dysfunction is adding to that. So it's not that this is all in your head. You are 
having physical changes to your body um, and a, a reaction to that stress and, and um, having these emotional, cognitive and physical issues because of it. Um, so it's not all in your head. It's this is your body actually reacting. Nope. And these reactions, I mean, they're normal. You should feel this if your world is out of control, right? Yeah. Think fight or flight all the time. I mean, you don't yep. want that system just going and jacked up all the time. We have to learn how to downregulate and, and get it to cool out a little bit. Yes. So let's move on to some cognitive impacts. One would be just like you can get physically fatigued, you can have mental fatigue. You might not be able to last all eight hours of your workday thinking and problem solving or sitting in class for three hours at a time in college or whatever it may be. Uh, another cognitive issue is memory. You might feel like you're a little forgetful. You might need to write some things down in order to remember them. Or you might have issues with multitasking, handling multiple things at one time, or paying attention even. Your mind might go elsewhere. And then also, sometimes sequencing can be problematic, or the order of things. So cognitively, this one I think is a really hard one for people because they'll say, I just feel foggy all the time. Or, or I feel like my brain is just tired. And it doesn't always click that it's due to the vestibular disorder or the vestibular symptoms. You might actually have some of these cognitive issues outside of an episode even. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's, a, there's an interesting term that I heard um, in relation to this, which was cognitive load. So you are a lot more likely to fall if your vestibular system or some other balance system in your body is not working as well as it should, because now your brain has to think about every little thing throughout your day to make sure that you can execute it. So walking, doing stairs, going to the grocery store, turning your head and moving, your brain has to physically think a lot harder to make that happen. Mm -hmm. And now you're pulling that that energy in your brain away from other things that would normally happen automatically for you. So if your body is trying to fix itself, your brain is working to compensate and get better, and you are still trying to do everything that you're normally trying to do, you're going to have to have some give somewhere. And usually you find that cognitively, not remembering things as well, having that brain fog or heaviness, um, wanting to take a nap, you just can't do as much as you wanted to do. You forgot to, to do something that was on your to-do list in that day. That is completely normal. And that fog tends to lift and clear as you work on that vestibular dysfunction. Right. So true. And the next grouping of psychological impacts is perhaps the more uh, the one you would think of first, the emotional impact. So the anxiety, the fear, the panic, the depression, the sense of helplessness or hopelessness, um, stress within relationships that can cause increased emotional responses. And overall, just a change in your sense of self. You start to think of who am I? What happened to the old me? Is this the new me? Is this my new normal? Am I gonna be like this forever? So emotionally, vestibular symptoms and dysfunction can have quite a toll. Yeah, I mean, in, in so many different ways. I remember there's hearing so many heartbreaking instances where patients are really struggling. Like I had this one woman who was a brand new grandmother and because of her dizziness, her daughter didn't want her to hold her grandchild because she was scared that she's gonna get dizzy and drop her. Yeah. So, you know, being scared to be around your grandchildren, I've had people who their only means of exercise or enjoyment was riding a bicycle. 
now all of a sudden they can't do that or they can't socialize with friends or they can't do the things that they enjoy doing. And then even adding a spouse or a loved one at home on top of that who doesn't believe them who's yeah. or a doctor even that says, you're fine, it's all in your head, this will go away. You know, that is very isolating and terrible. And it just completely takes away the quality of life that you were living before. And then from there, it's a dark rabbit hole to start going down, imagining what your life is going to be like living with this dysfunction and not knowing a single person who has experienced what you experience as well. You start to almost feel like it's in your head. Right. Which is so the last part you said always intrigues me, right? Because over 69 million Americans, and I would venture to guess that 69 million is actually a low ball number because a lot of people are undiagnosed and have these issues. Um, but with that many people with vestibular dysfunction, it's amazing to me sometimes how people haven't heard of another person that has this issue. But it's also not something that people talk a lot about because it's so misunderstood, I think. Yeah. And you know what's funny, though, is there's been a lot of efforts put forth to raising awareness, right? Like, look at our Balance Awareness Week and the virtual yeah. conference. That is getting better. And the presence of social media has been huge. The presence on Instagram and people having their own blogs, explaining their stories has been extremely, extremely helpful for patients. So nowadays when somebody has vertigo, they go, I know somebody that had this. Right. My friend told me about these crystals and I'm hoping you could just fix me today. You know, we are slowly getting there. Um, but there's still a lot of work that needs to be done. I know that if I'm having an evaluation for a patient and their spouse brings them, I always bring them back to the room because one, two year, you know, two sets of ears is better than one to listen to all the information that's going to get covered that day. But also sometimes if my patient has this crazy nystagmus or they're going through positive positional testing, all of a sudden their spouse is like, whoa, 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 wait, wait a minute. What, what are you doing? What are you doing to them? Like, what's going on? And also, I'm like, oh no, she's dizzy. This is what she's been experiencing. And all of a sudden, you see this light bulb go on. They're like, oh right. my gosh. Like, she, so she just doesn't want to like not empty the dishwasher. She's actually getting dizzy every time she bends over. Right. Yes, yeah, she is. <laughs> like, right. welcome to the party. And then all of a sudden, you can, you can send some compassion from that. Um, exactly. But it's hard. Exactly. I do want to clarify in the study that uh, found 69 million Americans or 69, yeah, million Americans. Uh, that was just in the age population of 40 years and older, I believe, in that study. Mm. So we are seeing a lot of vestibular dysfunction in people younger than that, especially vestibular migraines. We see a lot of women in their 30s, for example, or people with concussion. We see a lot of younger kids in sports with that. So again, I think that number is much higher than what has been predicted just based on that alone. Oh, absolutely. I mean, the studies are limiting in that way that they have to identify people, right? And there's a lot of people that don't have access to areas where they're doing studies, or maybe they don't have access to specialists in the area that can recognize that. You know, people just even taking medications experience dizziness because of the side effects of half the medications out there having dizziness. So there definitely, I think, is a lot greater of a number than 69 million Americans. I mean, everybody's had dizziness at least once in their life if they've drank a little bit too much alcohol or they did a, a dizzy, you know, um, bat spin, you know, game where you spin your, your head around a bat. Like there's always been some aspect that people can relate to it in some way, just not as fully as how this impacts a daily life, um, how right. it can stop you from going out to the grocery store or even leaving your home in general. 
I mean, some of this dysfunction is just so terrible that people can't sleep because they feel like they're rocking all the time. And usually we think about this in the older population, right? But during our vestibular conference with uh, the Vestibular Disorders Association a couple of weeks ago, I was so happy to hear from a younger crowd of people So for, with our patient panels. Um, anybody listening, if you're interested, you can go on to Vita, uh, vestibular.org, and you can actually buy a whole week's worth of professional presentations with patient panels. And those patient panels are gold. Mm-hmm. Those people that, and Laura Kala um, moderating those patient panels, I mean, it was amazing to hear the spread of people that were mm-hmm. on there, what their areas of dysfunction were and how it impacted their life. I mean, we had a kid in high school, we had this um, young woman going through college, we had a gentleman that had a stroke and ended up with vertigo. I mean, it, there really was no limiting factor when it came to living with vestibular dysfunction. Anybody could be affected. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you made a point earlier that reminded me of some social impacts. So the isolation factor, maybe you're not going out anymore because you're worried about increasing your symptoms or triggering your symptoms, or maybe you're canceling plans with your friend. You wanted to go out to dinner with a group of girls, but the restaurant is too busy. The lights of the restaurant bother you. The commute to going out to dinner bothers you, whatever it may be. Or maybe you made plans and that day you woke up and just weren't feeling that well, so you canceled. All of a sudden, that isolation factor can creep in. And then also, we we did draw on this a little bit earlier, but it can be very socially isolating just knowing that the general population typically has never heard of your vestibular system until something goes wrong, usually. Maybe something happened to them personally or someone in their family, but the general population has no idea that they even have a vestibular system, let alone how significant of an impact the vestibular system has on everyday life. Yeah, usually hear vestibular what? <laughs> what is that? <laughs> uh, but it is it is just something that is very prevalent. A lot of people are going through it and it's really heartbreaking that people kind of have to go through this alone sometime. We have seen such a big increase in the psychological effects because of this pandemic, Mm -hmm. Um, especially from people who might not have really been particularly bothered by uncompensated vestibular loss, right? Now that they're not exercising and moving as much as they were, all of a sudden this becomes a bigger issue. And now all of a sudden this vestibular dysfunction has become their new way of life and they're freaking out. Um, Even just being even more isolated now, not being able to see the people that you were seeing and hanging out with, it becomes a a really big issue. And we are seeing a lot more, I'm seeing a lot more, um, I can speak for myself, patients that are suffering from vestibular dysfunction um, because of all of this right now, which is not fun. Absolutely. Yeah, you had COVID into the equation, (laughs) a whole nother ball game. But when we think about these different realms of psychological impacts, physical cognitive, emotional, social, and we blend them all together, now we have a pretty significant change in function. So we've touched on a few of these changes in function as we've talked through it today, but you're avoiding activities. You might not be able to fulfill job duties or accomplish tasks that you need to complete as a mom or as a homemaker. Um, You're independence all of a sudden flies out the window. You might need to rely on others to get to the grocery store, do your grocery shopping, or help you commute to your vestibular rehab appointment, 
or unload the dishwasher, even though that used to be your thing. Now all of a sudden you're asking someone else to do it. Well, imagine being a caregiver for a spouse too. I mean, imagine if you're the only person taking care of a husband or a wife and now you have this issue and you can't, you can't fulfill those duties. Like it's, it can be really rough. I mean, we're talking loss of income, loss of jobs. I mean, look at Alicia Wolf with the, you know, the Dizzy Cook, you know, she lost her job over this and she had to kind of build her empire from, from scratch on how to give support to other people because she found a lot of people were going through the same thing that she was going through. It's not fun. Right. Yeah, no, it's not fun. And then another another sort of overall change in your function is, well, okay, well, let's say you can still do everything that you used to be able to do. You might take twice as long to do it because you're implementing rest breaks every five minutes or wh whatever it may be. But the same task that took you 20 minutes before might now take you an extended amount of time or even spread out over the course of some days uh, to complete the task. Yeah, it's... It is something that really needs to be taken into consideration if you are a loved one caring for somebody with vestibular dysfunction, or if you're somebody with vestibular dysfunction, you know, a key point to take away from this is don't be so hard on yourself. Mm -hmm. A lot of people will say, I wish I was back to, you know, where I was before. When am I going to get back to that point? I, I want to get there now, now, now. And this stuff takes time. And in order for you to get through this and heal and your journey back to balance, you need to be patient, which is very hard to do, but also accepting of the fact that you might have a new normal. Right. Um, you know, th this might not be something that completely goes away and back to normal again, quote unquote. You might need to find your new normal, the new thing that you can be okay with living with and finding the best quality of life out of that new level of function. Um, so accepting you know, to a point, you know, you want to continue to push and try to compensate and get better, but you have to also accept the fact that you might not be that person you were before this vestibular dysfunction came on and finding a new way to fit that into your life can sometimes be very helpful mm -hmm. in reducing the stress and anxiety in your life and helping you be happy again. Right. So when we think about all these different impacts, well, now where, where do we go from here? How do we help as clinicians, but also if you're a patient that's listening, how do you help yourself? So I think the first major thing is that you identify the presence of a psychological impact. Surely something that we listed today rings true to your life, whether you've changed plans or you're not doing as well with your work duties or you're feeling some brain fog or you're feeling overall more down and depressed. Surely one of those things might relate to you. So really first identify that this is an issue. And remember, like we spoke a little bit about before, sometimes the psychological impact might not manifest as the heart palpitate, palpitating or the breathing increasing. It might be issues with digestion or you might have more headaches or Maybe you're feeling a lot of tension in your shoulders and neck or having muscle aches and pains elsewhere where you're not sleeping as well or just increased tension in general. Again, these might not be things that you always identify with a psychological impact, but these are things that can present to clue you in. Oh, maybe something else is going on here. Maybe something else is at play. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. One of the first steps that I take with my patients personally, when somebody has a lot of increased stress and anxiety about a situation is, is discussing relaxation techniques or anything that you can do 
right then and there as far as getting things to kind of calm down a little bit. So this could be just as simple as going over a breathing exercise and practicing diaphragmatic breathing, four, five, six count breathing. Um, I like to use guided meditation apps that are free, easy to use. Um, just anything that might work for your patient to help them kind of take their mind away from what's going on and calm down that anxiety reaction they've been having to all of their symptoms to begin with. Yeah, I think that's all really great. And by the way, even if you're listening to this and you don't have vestibular symptoms, some of these breathing exercises and guided meditations are great just for life in general. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've been using them um, since I've started kind of working them into my practice um, with patients. You know, I get to do them um, with my patients during the day when I'm teaching them how to go through the exercises. And then I actually found ways to apply it to my life that has greatly helped in different situations with all the stress of, of not having not enough hours in the day. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We know all too well about not enough hours in the day. <laughs> As it's 7.30 right now, PM, and we're recording. <laughs> um, so what else can we do to help with the psychological impact? Well, one, as a clinician, you really want to normalize this. Dizziness is dangerous, and we'd be worried if you weren't experiencing some form of a stress response, right? So this is normal that you feel this way. It's okay. And then two, you know, you might be a great resource for the patient, but you also want to provide them with other reputable resources. And I think vestibular.org is the main hub to start. We also have... Um, vestibular.today page and also Balancing Act Rehab, which both of those pages also have great resources and uh, links to other great resources to help you out. And then also this one can be a little bit tricky, but without becoming too hypervigilant, sometimes tracking your symptoms can be helpful because you can be more prepared when it comes to knowing and recognizing what triggers you. So if you're tracking your symptoms and you realize every time you go into Target, you are provoked, maybe it's the fluorescent lights or maybe it's the busy environment, but you can start to pinpoint what things do you need to uh, take a step back from and then rework into your life under the direction of perhaps a physical therapist, a vestibular physical therapist, or what things do you need to perform a little bit differently so that you're not triggering your symptoms? Maybe it's if you have vestibular migraines and the light from the computer bothers you, but you work from home now and you need to work from your computer, maybe it's a matter of changing the lighting on your screen or using blue light lenses to help decrease the impact of that, or taking a break every 20 minutes, looking 20 feet away for 20 seconds. Yeah, I mean, and as, it's a great point with the symptom tracker. Um, Vita does have a symptom tracker, I believe, for their dizziness, which could be a great resource so that you can figure out what would be good things to track and not tracking every little detail of what's going on when you're symptomatic. So check out, um, check out that symptom tracker at vestibular.org and you can print it out. It's easy to fill out. It makes a couple of recommendations on uh, what to look at and what to follow that could be relevant to helping with your diagnosis. Exactly. So all in all, I think the takeaways today are that dizziness and psychological impacts, anxiety, some sort of stress response go hand in hand. Two, 
they both need to be addressed. And as a clinician, you want to have a little bit of that psych in your back pocket. No, you're not a psychotherapist, but you can certainly recommend different apps to use, or you can certainly teach them about breathing strategies, and you can certainly educate them to help calm their nerves. Um, three, I would say is as a patient, you want to recognize that this can actually be a pretty significant piece of your vestibular recovery and treatment and plan moving forward, identifying these psychological impacts and addressing them just as you would address your imbalance. Absolutely. I mean, there's a lot of studies that are coming out now that cognitive behavioral therapy is an excellent, excellent thing to go through while going through vestibular rehab. You know, so if you're a therapist in an area, find somebody in your area that has worked with dizzy patients or works with cognitive behavioral therapy and form a relation there, relationship there where you might be able to refer patients back and forth. Because I guarantee you, those therapists are also seeing a lot of patients who are complaining of dizziness. Yeah. So I'm sure that the road can go both ways there. But, you know, I mean, fourthly, you know, all in all, in all take, um, takeaway points is that this is not all in your head. This is something that everybody goes through that has vestibular dysfunction. You are not alone and that there are things that can be done to help improve these mm -hmm. impacts. So make sure you're reading up, doing your research, reaching out, talking to people and just stay connected. Don't feel so isolated with your invisible illness. Yeah. And, you know, feel free to reach out to us, too, on Instagram, Balancing Act Rehab and Vestibular.today. You can find us on Facebook as well. You can email us, whatever. You just reach out. Let us know you're there. If you want to just vent, feel free. We don't mind. We actually really enjoy hearing from you all. So we're definitely here. And along those same lines, there are support groups all over the world for vestibular dysfunction, whether they're virtual now or, I don't know, since COVID, but... Um, some groups actually do meet in person, they're local support groups. So definitely check those out. I believe vestibular.org also has a resource related to support groups. Absolutely. Well, thank you again for joining us for another episode of Talk Dizzy to Me, and we hope to talk to you guys soon. Good night, everyone. If you're interested in finding us on social media or the web, you can visit www.vestibular.today for more resources, including testing, treatment, and educational videos, blogs, continuing education classes, and resources including clinic equipment recommendations, suggested tests, and BPMBV treatment charts. Search Vestibular Today and Balancing Act Rehab on all social media platforms, including Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. Also, be sure to check out Balancing Act Rehab at www.balancingactrehab.com, especially if you think you would benefit from vestibular therapy. We are your girls. The information on this podcast is not intended to replace the care provided by your qualified health professional or to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition. Never disregard professional medical advice or delay in seeking it because of something you have heard on Talk Dizzy to Me. Please contact us at Balancing Act Rehab if you think you could benefit from vestibular therapy.